Hello, I'm Jesse Wolles from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, our reading is Paul's letter to Philemon. So you can begin looking that up now. This sermon was recorded live at Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, and the preacher is Michael Risk from Rochester Presbyterian Church. After reading the passage, we'll hear the children's talk, so if you have children, make sure they're listening, and then we'll go to the sermon. So let's read Philemon. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may be effect, become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake... I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with you, keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, to say nothing of you or owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Uh, Can I invite the children to come up? And I will be having a kids' talk up here down the front. It's great to see you all. So today, as we just read out, we're looking at the book of Philemon. And one of the things we'll be looking at as we look at Philemon 
is one is the topic of love. That's going to be in the book today that we're going to look at. And I wonder if you can help me to work out what love is. Um, I've got two pictures here. Can everyone see them? And I wonder, so we've got picture A and picture B. Can anyone tell me what picture A is about? What's picture A about? Yeah, what's picture A about? Love. What's happening in this picture in picture A? There is someone. What's happening? Hugging someone, yeah. I think it might be a husband and wife hugging each other. I think the husband has just given flowers to his wife and she feels cared for, she feels loved, and so she's giving him a big, nice hug. Um, Here's picture B. What's happening in picture B? Can everyone see that? Can everyone see what's happening in picture B? You want to see? There you are. What's happening in picture B? Someone tell me. Yeah, what's happening in picture B? Bullying. Yeah, and what what has that one guy done to the other guy? Can anyone see? Yeah, what's happening? What's he doing? Elbowed him. He's hit him. Probably hit him in the face. And so, out of these two pictures, uh, which picture do you think is showing love? Who thinks pic- Who thinks picture A? Hands up. All right. Who thinks picture B? Hands up. I think most of us have said picture A. Yeah, picture A. Picture A is showing love. It's showing care. While picture B is showing someone that is hurting someone. So we can see from these two pictures what love is demonstrated by our actions, by what we do. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 13, which is different from our passage today, but it's a very helpful passage for us, uh, the Apostle Paul tells us what love looks like practically. He says, love is patient, love is kind, Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Uh, There's an exhortation for us as the Christian to love in the way that Jesus loved So we could easily replace the word love in that passage with the word Jesus. And we could confidently say that Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not arrogant or rude. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily irritable or resentful. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts. He always hopes. He always endures. Jesus never fails. Now I wonder, I wonder, could you do that with your own name? Who thinks that they could insert their own name in here? Anyone? I wonder if I could insert my own name, that I could insert, Michael is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not arrogant. He is not rude. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily irritable or resentful. You know what? I don't think I could insert my own name here because I know all. I don't do this all the time. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. What do we need here? We need someone's help to help us to do these things. Whose help do you think we need? Yeah, we need Jesus to help us. We need Him to show us what it means to love. We need him to show us what it means to love. And the clearest example of this is where? Where does Jesus show us how much he loves us the most? Yeah, where does Jesus show his great love for us? 
Yeah, Jesus shows us his great love for us when he died upon the cross. That's right. On the cross, Jesus bore our sin. He bore our punishment. He died the death that was meant for us. And so when we're struggling to love, when we're struggling to love others, perhaps we're struggling to love someone in our family, or maybe someone in our church, or maybe someone at school, we have to look to Jesus to remember how much he loved us. And then we ask him, as a response of that great love that he has shown us, as an outflow of that love, we ask him, now help me to love others. Help me to love those around me. And we ask for his help because it can be hard to love. Well, how about we do that now? How about we pray to God and we ask him that he would teach us more of how much we are loved, but also teach us how much to love others. How about we pray to God and ask for his help? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the great love that you have shown to us in sending Jesus. We thank you that Jesus loved us so much that he died for us, that he went to the cross for us. And we thank you, Father, that you loved us so much that you do not uh, leave us to our own devices, but Jesus still works in our lives. Lord, he teaches us how to love. He does that through his word and by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, we pray, help us to love as an outflow of the work that you are doing in our lives. Help us to love as Jesus first loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we come to today's sermon, friends, can you please open up again to Philemon? Uh, we're going to be working through this, um, this book together. But as we do, let me open up again for us in prayer. Please pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to your word now, we pray, Lord, that you would direct our focus onto the Lord Jesus. Our Father, we pray that you would remove any distraction that we might have. Our distractions of the things that have gone, things that have happened this past week, but also distractions that are before us. Uh, we pray, dear Lord, that you would help us as we gather here today, as we gather under your word, that you would give us the focus, the attention that is needed. So we pray, dear Lord, open up our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears, Lord, that we would be able to hear what your word has for us this day. Uh, we pray, dear Lord, that your word would not uh, return to you empty, but it would do exactly what you have purposed for it to do. Father, I pray, be with me, your servant. Lord, anoint me for this task of preaching your word. Bless the preparation I have done. Help me have clarity of speech and conviction to preach it. Pray and commit our time to you. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we open up this letter, friends, we find Paul in prison. He's most likely in Rome, and during this imprisonment, he wrote at least four letters. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and this letter, Philemon. And from these four letters, this is the only personal epistle, the only personal letter. He wrote this letter to Philemon. Now, we don't know a whole lot about Philemon, but we could make some educated guesses. Philemon is most likely a wealthy Roman citizen. He most likely became a Christian under the ministry of Paul, while Paul was perhaps in Ephesus 
uh, during those three years that he was there. And Philemon, he lives in Colossae, which is about 160 kilometers away from Ephesus. And a church meets in his house. And in this church, he's quite involved. And since the establishing of this church, it has come to the attention of Paul that there is trouble in Colossae. Uh, most likely, Epaphras has searched for Paul and is asking for assistance, asking that Paul write to those in Colossae to address the false teaching that is happening there. In the book of Colossians, Paul addresses these problems. And as he addresses the church, he reminds them that they have received Christ. They have received the gospel. And having received the gospel, they were to keep away from false teaching. They were to hold firm to Christ. Having received the gospel, they were to live for Jesus. They were to put off the old self with its sinful practices and put on the new self. In all areas of life, they were to pursue Jesus. And having received the gospel, they were to proclaim Jesus, to make him known in their town, but also beyond. And as Paul sends this letter to the Colossians, he sends another letter. He sends a letter to Philemon. And we perhaps ask why. Why is he sending this letter to Philemon? Well, he's sending someone to Philemon. During Paul's imprisonment, he has met someone. He has met Onesimus. He has met Philemon's runaway slave. And Onesimus, by the grace of God, he's become a Christian. And having become a Christian, Paul is sending Onesimus back. Back to Colossae. Back to Philemon. Colossians 4 verse 8 tells us that Onesimus was delivering the Colossian letter with Tychicus. And together they were going to teach and explain the letter. And when Philemon, when he sees Onesimus, Onesimus coming to his house, Onesimus coming towards him, he may feel a range of emotions, anger, betrayal, frustration. And anticipating perhaps this, Paul sends this personal letter to Philemon. But why? Why mention then also the letter sent to the Colossian church? I think because you can't separate the two. Philemon, in a short space of time, perhaps on the same day, would have read these two letters. And so some of the things that are said in Colossians would be in the back of his mind as he now reads this personal letter from Paul. So friends, we need to have this information also in the back of our minds as we come to today's passage. And with this context, we turn our attention to the letter of Philemon. As Paul writes this letter to Philemon, he writes with the main purpose of restoring the fractured relationship between him and Onesimus. I have three points that we're going to be looking at today, and they each begin with the letter A. Our first point is aligning expectations. Second is appealing to love, and then third is accepting Onesimus. As we start, we ask, what would have been the normal expectations 
for a slave returning to their master. And normally, if a master found his runaway slave under Roman law, uh, they could be punished. Uh, They could be beaten. They could be imprisoned for running away. In the eyes of many, a slave was an extension of his master's property. And Onesimus is a runaway slave. And when he ran away, he didn't just run. He took something from his master. He took goods. He took money. So humanly speaking, friends, humanly speaking, the last thing Onesimus would like to happen is that he would be found and that he would be returned to his master. But what happens to Onesimus? Well, he is found, and he's found by the Apostle Paul. Now, through some remarkable set of circumstances, Paul and Onesimus meet in prison. And while in Rome, having spent time with Paul, while in prison, while in prison, Onesimus, by the grace of God, becomes a Christian. I don't know about you, friends, but it's always encouraging to hear someone's testimony. How someone became a Christian. A, a few weeks ago at Rochester Presbyterian Church, uh, we had Hiralal, who is from Indian Reform Fellowship Australia. And he told us a bit about the work that is happening through Indian Reform Fellowship. And as part of his presentation, he told us how he became a Christian. Uh, he shared that a Christian had given a, a tract to a Muslim, and the Muslim, not wanting for that track to be thrown into the bin, he passed it on to Hiralal. And Hiralal, he's a Hindu. And as he reads this track from the Muslim, he reads this track and he is converted. He realized that he is loved by Jesus. He doesn't know much about Jesus, but he knows that he is loved and he says, I will follow Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing how God works, how God brings people to himself? And here in our passage, God uses prison and an an encounter with Paul to bring Onesimus out of darkness and into his marvelous kingdom. And having become a Christian, Onesimus becomes useful to Paul. And Paul realizes that he needs to send Onesimus back to Philemon. But he doesn't send Onesimus empty-handed. This letter is given to realign Philemon's expectations as to how he should treat Onesimus when he returns. Uh, Let's look together how Paul aligns Philemon's expectations. Please have a look with me at verses 4 and 5. Verse 4 and 5, Paul says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Now we ask, friends, where might have Philemon have heard this before? A faith in Christ Jesus and a love for all the saints. Well, it was said in Colossians chapter 1 verse 4. Colossians 1 verse 4 says, Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. And this faith, uh, this love, Colossians 1 verse 5 says, springs 
from the hope that is stored for us in heaven, from which we have already heard in the true message of the gospel. What is this hope, we ask? Well, this hope is the hope of the resurrection. It is the hope of defeat of sin, fully and finally. Paul explains in the letter to the Colossians what Christ has done for, for us. I think a beautiful summary of the gospel can be found in Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. Let me read that for us. But Paul says to us, He has delivered us, that's you and me, from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In Christ, the penalty of sin has been dealt with. In Christ, we have been reconciled to the Father. Every sin that separated us from the Father has been paid for. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. But also, in Christ, the power of sin has been dealt with. We are no longer trapped in darkness. We are no longer controlled by sin, controlled by Satan. In Christ, we have been set free. We have been transferred into His kingdom. And now the Christian awaits the day when sin will be dealt with fully and finally, when the presence of sin will be done away with. Friends, that's the Christian hope. That when Christ returns, sin and death will be no more. And God will dwell with His people. It is this message that has changed Philemon. It is this message that is created in Philemon, a faith in Christ Jesus and a love for the saints. Paul then says, having this great hope, I pray that the sharing of your faith may be effective in deepening your knowledge in Christ and putting into practice all the good that God wills for us and do this all for the sake of Christ. Your love has been a joy and encouragement that has refreshed the hearts of God's people. Paul is reminding Philemon from verse 6 and 7 how the gospel changes us. That in Christ, we take off the old self with its sinful practices and we put on the new. Our identity is in Christ. The gospel aligns, aligns our thinking not to respond how the world responds, but to respond with the same love that was shown to us. It's for this reason I chose as our Old Testament Bible reading, Hosea chapter 3. In Hosea chapter 3, the Lord instructs Hosea to love his wife, Gomer, again. Even though she is an adulteress. He instructs him, love her as I have loved the Israelites. Though they have turned to other gods. Our friends, Gomer is a picture of sinful Israel. Goma is a picture of us. That while we were sinful, while we loved the things of this world, God loved us. While we worshipped various gods, while we lived for this world, while we lived for ourselves, God sent Jesus. And in Jesus, He rescued us. He brought us out of the clutches of Satan. And into his safe, caring arms. 
That's the gospel. That's the hope we have. And it's with this encouragement and the reminder of this great hope, a hope that is in a, a faith that is in Christ Jesus and a love for the saints, that Paul then makes his appeal to Philemon. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the movie Fireproof. It's a Christian movie calling to love your spouse. Not because you yourself are feeling loved, but because of the love you have first received in Christ. When Caleb, uh, the main character, realizes the message of the gospel, of being loved despite his behavior, despite his sinfulness, despite his own constant rejection of God, that he was loved by God. Realizing that God's love is not transactional, but is given from a position of grace. When Caleb realizes this, he reconciles that he will love his wife, despite how his wife treats him. 1 John 4 verse 19, the Apostle John says this, We love because he first loved us. The word love is the Greek word agape. It's the same word that is used in our passage today. And agape is a love which expresses self-sacrificial love. It is a love shown to express the giving up of one's life for another. It's the same love Jesus had shown on the cross for us. The love he had shown as he gave up his life so that we may have life. As Paul writes to Philemon, he appeals to him not from a position of authority, but appeals to him how? For love's sake. To love with the same love Christ loved. To love sacrificially as he has been doing with all the saints. And so Paul says, verse 10, have a look with me. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless, useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Now, friends, there is a play on words here that is missed in the English. Onesimus means useful. But before his conversion, Onesimus hadn't lived up to his name. Prior to his conversion, Onesimus was a terrible slave. He was useless. But now, but now, having become a Christian, he has become useful both to you and to me. Onesimus is now living up to his name, living up to the name he was given. So Paul says from verse 13, I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? Now, Paul says he's been useful, having helped him in prison. And if Philemon were to send him back, Onesimus would be of further use to Paul. But if not, he would be of great use to Philemon both in the flesh, perhaps suggesting as your slave, but also 
as a brother in the Lord. Oh, what does this mean exactly? Or perhaps to understand what Paul might be saying here, it's helpful to hear what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 to chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, friends, if you have your Bibles in front of you, uh, please turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Colossians three twenty-two, where Paul instructs the church at chapter 3, verse 17, that in all that they do, whether in word or in deed, to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God the Father through Him. And then he gives an example of what this looks like by explaining how the gospel transforms household. Look with me now at what Paul says about slaves and masters. Colossians 3:22 to chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, Treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Paul is saying to Philemon, if you have Onesimus as your slave, he will be so much better to you, so much more useful. Why? Well, because he's ultimately serving Christ, just as you are. Each of you has Christ as your master. You both serve Him. And so as you serve Christ together, do it for His glory. Do it with joy. Do it with thankfulness. I think this is also a great reminder to each of us that in all that we do, we are to do it for Christ's glory. We are to do it with thankfulness. We respond in thankfulness. We serve Jesus as a response to the grace that we have first received in Him. And friends, what Jesus does for the Christian is that He reconciles us to the Father. He transfers us from the dominion of darkness into His kingdom. He frees us from the powers and authorities that once controlled us, having nailed them having nailed them to the cross. And he reconciles relationships that were once broken through the restorative power of the gospel. We are able to forgive. We are able to love. Not because we are looking for some sort of transaction from the offending party. No, the gospel gives us freedom to love. Freedom to forgive because we were first forgiven. We were first loved in Christ Jesus. And as an outflow of thankfulness, of the love and forgiveness that we, the Christian, have received, we respond in love. We respond with forgiveness to others. Even those who have wronged us. So having said all this, Paul then says... So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. Accept Onesimus. Accept him. 
not just as a slave returning to you, but as a partner in the gospel. One who will be useful to you. But if there are any difficulties in welcoming and accepting Onesimus, Paul says, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owing me even your own self. What does Paul mean when he says you owe me your own self? Paul is not referring to any material debt that Philemon might owe him. Uh, Paul is referring to Philemon's very life. That through his ministry, Paul spoke the gospel to him. Paul was instrumental in Philemon's conversion. One commentator I was reading at this point says this, and I quote, Even though Paul alludes to Philemon's conversion here, it is perhaps significant that he does not call him his son, as he did with Onesimus. Here the note that Philemon owes Paul his very self essentially reduces him to be Paul's slave. So the rhetorical intent is clear. If Paul does not insist on Philemon's status as one who owes Paul owes his very self to Paul, Philemon likewise has no rights of ownership over Onesimus. End quote. I think what Paul is saying here, what he's saying to Philemon is, I don't treat you as a slave, so please don't treat Onesimus as one. I treat him as someone who is dear to me. I can't you do the same? Also, what you have been given through my ministry is far greater than anything that has been taken from you. In Christ, you have been given treasures and inheritance far greater than any money or goods taken from you ever could. As Christ loved you, as Christ gave himself up for you, can you now love Onesimus? Can you accept him as you have accepted me? As one who is like you, redeemed and united to Christ. Paul says, refresh my heart in Christ. I am confident of your obedience, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Paul, for the first time, put some authority behind these words. And I think the authority isn't necessary because he is an apostle, but the authority lies in the words he has already said. Because Philemon has received the gospel, and having been reminded of what he has received, it should produce an overwhelming desire to live for Christ, to put off the old self, to put on the new self. Friends, what Christ has done should transform our behaviors. To not act like the world does, but to act having been first given a great inheritance in Christ Jesus. This is then a great reminder for us. That if any of us have strained relationships, that we need to embrace love. We need to embrace forgiveness. That we need to be grace-filled in our interactions. No longer acting as the world does. Not expecting justice because it is owed to us. Not receiving rights because the laws of the land say we deserve them. What Paul has shown to Philemon, what Paul has shown to you, what Paul has shown to me, is that the gospel changes and transforms us. 
That we respond with thanks, we respond with praise for what Jesus has done for us. That all that we do, whether in word or in deed, we give Him glory. And when that's a struggle to do, and it will be, Paul encouraged us to see what we have been given. He says, look at what Christ has given us. Look at the debt that was paid by Christ Jesus, a debt that you could never pay. And look at the inheritance and the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. So friends, when we are struggling to love our spouse, remember the love that has been shown to us. When we are struggling to forgive that friend of ours, remember how much we have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. And when we are struggling not to be bitter to those who have wronged us, even those we may call our enemies, well, recall that when you had wronged Christ, when you were his enemy, he still loved you and died for you. Uh, In that movie, Fireproof, when Caleb is sitting at the campsite, he's sitting there with his father, And he is frustrated by his wife. Frustrated by his wife's lack of concern and her constant bitterness. Caleb says to his dad, I have taken in her insults and her sarcasm. But last night was it. I made dinner for her. I did everything I could to demonstrate that I care for her. To show value for her. And she spat in my face. She does not deserve this dad. I'm not doing it anymore. How am I supposed to show love to somebody over and over and over who constantly rejects me? But then Caleb, as he sits at this campsite, as he complains to his dad, his eyes are drawn to the cross. And his father explains to him that what he is experiencing from his wife is what he has done to the Lord. Caleb's father says to him, the cross was offensive until he came to it. But when he came to it, Jesus Christ changed his life. When Jesus effectually accords the Christian, when he shows you his love, his forgiveness, he does a work in you and he changes you. If we have come here today looking for love, looking for forgiveness, the message of the cross is for us. The message of who Jesus is and what he has done is for us. It's for you. It's for me. To be loved by him. To be forgiven by him. To be changed by him. And for the Christian, the cross is a reminder of what we have been given. The cross is there to align our thinking, not to act as the world does, but to respond with love and forgiveness to others. To love as we have been loved. To forgive knowing how much we have been forgiven. Jesus said to the Pharisee in Luke chapter 7, as the sinful woman washed his feet, those who have been forgiven much will love much. As we recall how much we have been forgiven in Christ, we are to respond with love. Not because those around us necessarily deserve it, 
but because he first loved us and gave himself up for us, the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much that you loved us. You loved us so much that you sent Jesus. You sent Jesus to die for our sins, to pay a debt that we could not pay ourselves. In Jesus, we stand forgiven. And in Jesus, we see how much we are loved. Our Father, we pray, help us, your church, to love and to forgive. Help us to do this in the power of your Spirit. Help us to love and forgive, knowing how much we have first been loved and forgiven in Christ Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. And I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's Word. Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10am. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question, or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.